0: Um, You know, I spoke with you a couple of weeks ago about a divine override. How many of you remember my message on divine override? Let me see if anybody remembers. All right. Divine override. I'll give you a quick review because this is somewhat of a continuation. A divine override, when God overrides the laws of nature and the natural course of events or the will and determination of men and corporations, So a divine override is when the authority of God overrides the will of man, overrides the laws of nature, overrides the natural course of event. When God steps in, His authority overrides what would have otherwise have happened. God exercises superior authority and changes the course of events to line up with His plan for the universe. God has granted mankind free will, but retains the authority to override his decisions and implement his will in the matter so even though man has a free will and man has authority God has the greater authority and he can override man's choices man's desires and man's will God always holds the high card you see man controls the moment but God controls the outcome. Man controls the moment, but God controls the outcome. This is called divine providence, the overarching authority and power of God over the universe and every created thing. In Psalms 103, verse 19, it says, The Lord made heaven and earth, and He rules over everything. He rules over everything. So the God that we serve created everything and therefore rules over everything. There is no authority equal to or even close to the authority of our creator, the God of the universe. When you and I pray, prayer is a call for God to override the situation with his authority and power. So when we pray, we're saying, God, I need a divine override. This thing is not going right. This thing is not turning out right. Something's happening, Lord, that doesn't line up with your will. And so we pray and say, God, give me a divine override. Prayer is the marriage of our will to God's will, human authority and divine authority. So man has authority. And so when we pray, we're, we are marrying our will to God's will. We're coming into agreement with what God desires and what God wants. And when you and I through prayer marry our will to His will, then automatically that releases supernatural power into our lives. Prayer is coming into agreement with God. Prayer changes the very natural courses of events and alters the outcome. Prayer is based on the reality that God has all authority and power in heaven and earth and can step into any situation and change the outcome. That's what prayer says. That God has the power and the authority to step into any situation and change the outcome. You see, even though God gave man free will, he did not give up his authority. He just gave man a perimeter in which to operate. A zone that he can exercise his own free will. But at the end of the day, God's power and authority is greater than all so whatever your situation is know that God has the overriding power to change the outcome so Jesus said I will t- I tell you you can pray for anything and if you believe that you receive it it will be yours so he opened the door and gave us unlimited possibility a proverbial blank check And just said, pray and believe that your God is big enough to do anything and everything that you need. And He can step in and change the very courses of event. So if you're facing something in life now that is not desirable and not what you feel like the will of God would be for your life, pray this prayer. Father, this situation is not going the way it needs to. I'm asking you to override the natural course of this situation and implement your sovereign will in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, that is in a thumbnail sketch what I'm speaking of when I talk about a divine override. How many of you already know I need a divine override in areas of my life? All right, divine override. Now, today I want to continue talking to you along that same line. But today I'm going to talk to you about the judicial system of God. Let me ask you a question. When God makes a promise, like for instance, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose. Who enforces that law? Who brings that promise to pass? Who makes certain that's really going to happen? Let me give you another idea. Who enforces this? God said, whatever a man sows, that He will also reap who enforces that how does that happen what makes that a reality here's another verse God said give and it shall be given unto you good measure heaped up running over pressed down will men give back to you who enforces that I mean who makes that happen why can we count on that it's not magic You see, there is a judicial system of heaven. God has a system in place, an invisible judicial system, an invisible court system, and and operating invisibly in the world is the authority and the power of God that supersedes all man's authority and all of man's power. You see, he simply has a higher court, greater authority, the providential God who ultimately rules over the affairs of man. You see, I want to say again, man controls the moment, but God controls the outcome. So, God's judicial system. Let's go to the book of Daniel, and I'll show you a picture of it. Now, remember, Daniel was a man of God, certainly a prophet. who was carried away captive into the land of Babylon. And in that time, he had great encounters with God that still speak to us today. He said this, he saw this in the Spirit, and he's describing an an experience he had in the Spirit. He said, I watched as thrones were put in place, and the ancient one sat down to judge. His clothes was as white as snow, his hair like purest wool. He sat on a fiery throne with wheels of blazing fire. And a river of the fire was pouring out, flowing from his presence. Millions of angels ministered to him. Many millions stood to attend him. Then the court began its session. And the books were open. You see, Daniel, the man of God, saw the courtroom of heaven. And he saw God sitting on his throne. Now, you and I, we seat judges. And we do not call it a throne. We call it a a seat of justice, or the judgment bar. We seat supreme courts. We don't call it thrones. But in your Bible, the throne was not just a comfortable place for the king to sit. It was an official place where he does business, just like the Supreme Court of the United States. And, and Daniel said, I saw many judges and thrones or, or places of rulership was set up for them. But then he said, the Ancient of Days came in and sat down at his throne." what we learn from this is that God is the judge of the universe and he is sitting on his throne at all times and he is meeting out justice to all the world now John the Revelator the oldest living apostle who suffered greatly for the work of God but did not actually the only apostle that was not martyred for his faith he was he visited heaven and he saw things that were unbelievable in the spirit and in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, he saw a similar scene that Daniel had seen a couple thousand years before. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were open. Notice we've got a, we've got a judge We've got a throne and we've got books again. And those books were open, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. So these books recorded the detailed events of a man's life. And ultimately, those books are going to be open and our lives are going to be judged according to what we have done here on this earth. The sea gate. Next verse. The sea gave up the dead, the death and grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and, that's going to be fun. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. There we go. Verse 15, we got it. And every, anyone whose name was not found in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So there were books. One set of books contains the specific details of every life that has ever been lived on this planet. That must be quite a library. Some kind of memory bank, right? But then there's another book called the book of life. And every child of God, every person in the family of God, their name's in that book. And everyone in that book is saved and is going to reside for eternity with God. But everyone whose name is not in that book You're going to be banished from God forever and ever and ever. That's what the Bible says. And so I'm talking to you today about the judicial system of God and how that God is the ultimate judge of all the universe and ultimately He is going to judge each and every man. His administration, He administrates justice into all human affairs. The human court system is virtually an extension of His divine jurisprudence and when Human courts fail. Ultimately, God's judicial system takes over. And ultimately, when time has ended, the human experience is completed. God will render a judgment that is fair and just toward everyone. So, when it's all said and done, the Bible teaches that every one of us are going to stand before God. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 it's appointed unto man to die. So, every man has to die and then. Must stand before God in judgment so at some point we're all going to approach the judge of the universe and we're going to have our lives judged now you know often the word judgment has a very negative connotation when you use the word judgment you think hell go to jail pay a big fine but judgment is not always bad Judgment is good because God can look at our lives and and look at our, our situation and He can judge us rightly and fairly and bless us accordingly. So even though we tend to always connotate something very negative toward the word judgment, it's still a very good thing because the Bible says one day we're going to stand before the Bema or the judgment seat of Christ and He's going to be handing out rewards. It's a judgment, but it's a good thing. You know, if you go to a civil court and you're in court and there's a lot of money at stake, maybe somebody loses money and somebody wins money. And so in the judgment seat of God, there's some people that's going to be punished and there's others that's going to be rewarded. Man has a judicial system, and you probably know that much of the world's jurisprudence, the philosophy of what is right and fair and just, is based on the law of Moses and the Bible. Much of the laws that are universal from nation to nation finds its root in the teachings of Moses. That's why Moses is considered to be one of the greatest leaders the world has ever known because when he set up the law of Israel it established a foundation, a written record of jurisprudence. And so man the human court is an extension of God's heavenly court. And man's laws should be a reflection of God's laws. So, our jurisprudence, what we perceive to be right, fair, and just, needs to be a reflection of God's opinion on the matter. And when human courts fail to create laws that parallel God, then there is a disconnect, there's a short, there's a short circuit. Because our desire is to create a jurisprudence system that is a reflection of God's perfect and pure judgment system, His court system. And so it's imperative that as a nation that we pass laws that are consistent with God's laws. So a couple of years ago in the summer, our high courts determined that same-sex marriage was constitutional and could not be forbidden by law. What this was, was a disconnect between God's divine jurisprudence and the court systems of man. So God was saying one thing, and the Supreme Court of the United States was saying something very, very different. And so we have crossed God's judgment. We have crossed what God said is right and wrong and what should and should not be. And there are consequences when nations pass laws that contradict divine jurisprudence. Man's court system is flawed, absolutely. Um, it's uncertain. And it often fails to render judgment. If I were to go through this congregation today and ask you how many of you have ever been to court or someone in your family and you felt like the outcome was not right or just, many of you would raise your hands because man's court system is definitely not foolproof, definitely not 100%. The fact is it is operated by the hands of man and it's flawed. Many times it's flawed because it's fueled and driven by money. And the Bible said, in God's jurisprudence, that money should never affect the outcome of a case, that the poor man should not be convicted because he's poor, but justice should be done irregardless to finances. But you and I already know that in the court system of our day that if you can lawyer up, you might get off of it, and if you don't get off of it, you're going to have a reduced sentence. And whether it's a criminal case or a a civil case, the money you spend on an attorney may determine the outcome of of, of the case. And that's the way it is. So we understand that if a man that is poor commits a crime, uh, regardless of what it is, if he cannot afford the high-dollar lawyers, he's probably going to get a maximum sentence. But if he can pull together enough expensive attorneys, then he might get off or He might get it reduced that's man's court system it's flawed it's flawed because money is injected to it and so we don't have the assurance in man's court system that we are going to receive justice but in God's court system the court system of heaven The eternal judge of the universe always renders a fair judgment without any financial influence, without any political influence, without any bias of any kind. God is the judge of the universe, and He is pure and completely perfect. And it's to His court system that we appeal. I believe that man's court system is an extension of God's court system. But when it fails, all we can do is appeal to God to override what man has done with his will So God is the judge of the universe he's without partiality. He's not biased toward anyone He can't be bought or paid for and it doesn't cost anything to go to his court Not only that God knows everything you know much of of, of rendering a uh, Finding a, a justice in a case is getting all the accurate complete information before the jury or the judge well when you're God you already know everything You know, you already know everything. There are witnesses, but you already know everything. There's nothing hidden. There's nothing deceived, nothing partial. You have complete disclosure of every single detail. And not only that, in God's court system, He judges the heart as well as the hand. In man's court system, we can't judge the heart. All we can do is judge the, the man's actions. But in God's court system, He looks deeper than that, and He sees our heart because He's the only one that can. His judgments are absolutely, absolutely perfect. His justice is pure and unquestionably fair. You see, God is a judge overall. God will judge Satan. God will judge angels. God will judge individuals. God will judge cities. God will judge nations. God will judge rulers. God will judge the church. He will judge everyone. And God's judgment extends to eternity. For instance, when man makes a ruling, it can only extend the length of his life. And when his life is over, the case is closed. It's finished. But death is not the end of the case with God. He lives in eternity. So regardless of what the situation is at the point of death, it isn't over. Justice has not finally been rendered. The last Statement by the judge has not been made, and we go into eternity. So we determine that what penalty is not paid on earth will be paid in eternity, and what reward has not been received on earth will be received in eternity. But for people that don't know God and don't understand that there is a living God of the universe that lives beyond the span of time, it's like this life and this world is all there is. But God knows that death is just a passageway, and life goes beyond that, and His judicial system is effective even beyond the grave. So if I don't get it here, I'll get it there. You know, um, when lower courts fail to render good judgment, you can appeal to a higher court if you don't like what a state judge has done you can appeal and go to the federal level and in certain cases you can appeal even a federal decision and go all the way to the Supreme Court and once you get there their decision is final the only way the decision of the Supreme Court can be changed if the Congress passes a law and even then the Congress can determine that the law is unconstitutional at that point Congress would have to reconvene and actually change the Constitution of the United States. That's only been done a few times, but it very well could happen again. And so it's, it's a levels of authority. And finally, you get to the highest and ultimate authority. And so when you and I are facing difficulties in life and things happen to us, someone betrays us, some corporate or employer situation mistreats us, we're treated unfairly, we're victimized by racial prejudice or some other sort of bias. When these things happen, we simply make an appeal to God. We make an appeal to heaven's court system and saying, God, man, is not doing right. I cannot make him do right. There is no one to make him do right. But I'm appealing to you, the God of the universe, for it to be right. Jesus gave a cameo of that type of a process when he told the story of a, of a widow woman that just kept appealing and appealing to the judge and just kept on and on and on and finally the judge threw up his hands and said, if I don't do what she wants, she's never going to leave me alone. And, God, and Jesus said, if an unjust judge would finally hear the appeal of a widow woman, then you can be sure that your heavenly Father will swiftly uh, bring recompense to your enemies and he will hear your appeal. And so when you and I are praying, we're appealing to a heavenly court. We're going above the head of somebody. We're going above the will of somebody, the actions of man, the unfairness and the hurts and pains of life. We're making an appeal to heaven and we're going right over their head. How many of you know know I need to go over their head? and I need to appeal to God because he's the judge of the universe so there's a divine enforcer at work in the earth a divine enforcer Um, God enforces his law just like he enforces the laws of nature You know, you and I don't have to wake up in the morning and charge the batteries on the laws of nature or make sure they're still in place and they're operating correctly. The laws of nature are being held in store, are kept operating by the Word of God. God spoke it and His authority released a power and it's going to continue until He stops it. So God has an enforcement in the earth today. He is the God and the ruler of all the earth. I think modern America resists and rejects the idea that we all have to be accountable to God. Modern America is rejecting the idea that God is our creator and we must answer to Him. But we're living in the days that the Bible said that men are doing what is right in their own eyes because we have negated God's authority or His right to speak into our lives and tell us what to do or what not to do. Modern America is rejecting all those things. One of the great um, evils of our day is the modern culture is marginalizing the church, pushing us to the perimeter Pushing us into a hole and putting us in a basket of extremists and and people that are over the top, religious zealots. And God forbid that you were to point out what the Bible would call sin because you can't judge me. Don't judge me. Who are you to judge me? And in reality, it's rejection against the justice of God, the law of God. What this modern nation is saying is we don't want anybody judging us. We're not answering to God or anybody else. We have the right to do anything we want to do. That's what this culture is saying. We have the right to do anything we want to do. And it's a complete denial of the authority of God over the whole universe and each of our lives. The spirit of this modern age is contrary to the Word of God and contrary to what God will for us is. And we have to hear the cultural language and realize we cannot buy into it. We cannot be contaminated by it. We have to filter that stuff out and we have to build mentalities and attitudes that are based on God's Word. There is an invisible invisible judicial system of God there is an invisible throne room, an invisible judge. And he is the enforcer of his law and his ways in the earth. And regardless of what man does in the end, not the end of life, but the in the end, God's judgment will be true and fair and no one will deny it. And for as an individual, some of the excuses we make for ourselves, the rationale for our own sin... Someday we're going to stand before God and all the the rationale and the justifications that we've carefully rehearsed in our own mind and with it salved our own conscience, we're going to be looking God eye to eye. We're going to be looking at the, the, the judge of the universe and we're going to open our mouth to speak out our own little personalized justifications and rationale for our sin and it's just going to stick in our throat right there because when you're looking in the eyes of truth, you can't lie. When you're looking in the eyes of the pure, unadulterated truth of the universe and you think you're going to tell your story that you've convinced yourself and you've convinced others, when that lie starts to come out of your mouth, it's just going to freeze right there in your throat. Because in God's judicial system, you can only tell the truth. And sometimes we have lied to ourselves and believed those lies and we've told it to others and they have believed it, but one day we're going to... Stand before God, and those lies won't even come out of our mouths, because in the throne room of God, you can't lie. If you want to lie, you still can't lie. You can make up all you want to make up, but when you look the truth in the eyes, everything comes out of your mouth. It's going to be the truth. You'll start to say, well, I did it because... And you have this whole line of excuses why you did it because that worked for your whole life. You spent your whole life blaming other people and justifying what you are done. And then you're going to look God in the eye and you're going to say, I did it because, I did it because there was sin in my heart. And there was rebellion. I did it because I rebelled against you, oh God. Because when you look truth in the eyes, you cannot tell a lie. And that's why God's judicial system is perfect, fair, and just. Every time. And so Romans 8, 28 says, All things work together for good to them who loves the Lord and are called according to His purpose. Somebody's got to enforce that verse. Somebody's got to make that reality. It isn't just vibration of sound. Somebody's got to be behind it. There has to be an authority system. There's got to be an enforcement of that. And I'm telling you, it's the justice system of God that is already built into the earth. And Paul taught, whatever a man sows, whatever he plants, whatever deeds he does, whatever words he says, whatever he does is like a seed in the ground, and that exact seed is going to come up. Who's going to enforce that? Who's going to make sure that happens? The God of the universe, the judge of all nations. He's the enforcer of these verses. And then he said, give and it will be given to you. If it's faith, you'll be given faith. If it's love, you'll be given love. If it's mercy, it'll be mercy. And if it's good deeds, it'll be good deeds coming back to you. Who enforces that? Who makes that happen? Who determines that this is somehow going to happen? Who enforces that? It's the invisible justice system of God God sitting on his throne with millions of angels around and every time he speaks a word the heavens thunder and angels move at his behalf and no one can argue with him or deny him and even creation itself cannot deny his authority and he is the one that you and I live for we worship we depend on for salvation and when we pray we're appealing to that court system of heaven and saying God I know you sit high but you look low I know that your hand is not short that you cannot reach to my little life and the problems I'm facing and I know that your ear is not dull you don't wear here in age you can hear the slightest whimper the slightest cry of my heart you hear it every time and I know that your ears are not dull of seeing you can see everything in my life you know exactly where I am what I can see and what I cannot see you see it all Lord and it's to you alone that I make my appeal that's what prayer is all about then Paul said in 2nd Timothy 4 finally there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord him the righteous judge will give to me at that day not only me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So Paul, who was beaten, ultimately was beheaded, betrayed, slandered. He he suffered everything I suppose a man could suffer for his faith, and he said, "You know what? There's laid up for me a crown of righteousness." Paul would end his life would end on a cruel cross at the hands of a of a Roman soldier. But he said, in eternity, I'm going to be rewarded for what I might have paid, the price I might have paid here on earth. So there is a reward here in life, but it's not all there's promises that apply to us here and now good things that God said to us but when we die it's not over it's not the end it's not like a failure it's not like well I guess it ain't ever gonna happen no we just step into eternity and when you step into eternity God is in full control there is no human will there is no men doing this and men saying that there is none of that when you step into eternity it's all God's will you see in the throne room of God there's no confusion There's no hatred there's no resentment there's no nervous there's no worry there's none of that stuff in the throne room of God Satan thought he was going to take pride in there and he got thrown out for it when you go into the throne room of God it's all cute it's all perfect it's all wonderful we step into eternity we're in God's realm and he brings to us the good things That maybe we did not receive on earth, he brings it to us in all of eternity. That's why blessed is the death of God's people because they're stepping in to their fullest and up reward. The gospel that we preach says that God will bless you and reward you in this life and also in the life to come. Can you say amen? How many of you are glad you're a child of God? Now, there are moments in prayer. There are moments in God when it feels like there has been a verdict reached in heaven. You know, sometimes you pray and 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 you you just believe and pray some more and wait and pray and believe and wait some more. And then there are moments when in the Spirit you hear the rapping of a gavel. When you just know that somehow you broke through, the wait is over, and the judge of the universe has rendered a verdict. You just sense and know in your spirit that he has made a decree that is right and fair and cannot be reversed, and that angels have scurried from the throne room to begin to bring it about. You see, there's those moments in time when it feels like a verdict has been reached in heaven and a decree from the judgment of God has been made. And nothing can reverse it, nothing can hinder it, nothing can delay it, but God has brought it all about. That's what we pray for and reach for. We say, God, I need a verdict. I need you to make a judgment. I need you to wrap the gavel and bring this thing to a close and make it happen. There's a place like that in prayer. There's a place like that prophetically. There's a place in God where you just feel this sense of it's done. Can't be reversed. God has already set it in motion. It's going to happen. And it's done. I just said that because I realize that we pray a long time and sometimes don't really get that place but I want you to know that place is there. I want you to know that place is there. When you get to that place, you're not doubting anymore. You know it. You've heard it in your spirit. A verdict has already been passed, a verdict has been reached, a declaration has been made. God has already settled it. It can't be changed. So when you're praying and believing God, reach for that place and don't stop till you get there. Because you serve the God of the universe, He sits high. And looks over everything, the tiniest of details. And he makes judgment. And in the end, justice will be done. Evil men do evil things and seem to get away with it for a lifetime. David said, I saw. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And he said, it almost made me stumble. I'm like, what's going on, God? I'm living for you, doing what's right. And the wicked, man, they're just taking off. Their life's blowing up with good things. And I'm doing the right thing and it ain't working. That's what David said thousands of years ago not much has changed the prosperity of the wicked is everywhere but remember my friend that God is a judge of the universe and in the end he's going to mete out fair and righteous judgment and what doesn't happen in this life will be extended over into eternity and everybody is going to get exactly what they deserve in the big picture there's some righteous people that will not receive their full reward in this life but in the next life he that is first shall be last and he that is last will be first and there's some people that do wicked things on earth but live in plush homes and extravagant lives and think themselves to be kings but one step in eternity all that will vanish and reality will stare them in the face And justice will be done by God in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. That's the God we serve here today. That's who we serve. He's a big guy. And there's nobody above him. When I have his ear, I have access to all authority and power in heaven. When I have his approval, it don't really matter what anybody else thinks. When He says, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, and nobody can curse me. When He makes a promise and I get a hold of it, nothing can change it. That's the kind of God we serve. Let your faith arise. Let hope arise in your heart. Trust in a God that lives was the beginning. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the first and He's the last. There's none beside Him. There was none before Him. There will be none after Him. He sits alone in the heavenlies. And that's the God that we serve. You can close your Bibles now. Thank you, Jesus. Please stand with me. Thank you for giving me this time to share the word of the Lord with you. Thank you, Father feel God very near right now let's take a few moments and pursue him press in just a little bit quiet moments that God will speak to you, confirm things in your spirit, bring application to the teaching today. It's in these quiet moments that God comes near and infuses you with faith and power, assurance, hope. It's in these quiet moments that God gives you. Power to overcome your obstacles. It's in these moments that addictions are broken. Bodies are healed. It's in these moments that people make commitments that left a lifetime to God. It's in these moments when God comes near. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, this is an optimum moment for you. Simply means to say, Lord Jesus, I give you my heart and I give you my life. From this moment forward, I'm going to follow you. Come into my heart, be the Lord of my life. The rest of my days belong to you. I'm going to be your servant, I'm going to be your son. That's what giving your heart to the Lord is all about. It's not complicated, it's not scientific. Pray that prayer in a deep, sincere kind of way. Your life will never be the same. If you've been away from God, you know the Lord, you love the Lord, but you've made decisions that have taken you on a detour. What a great moment this is to get back on the right road. There's an own ramp for you to get back on the freeway of God's will for your life. The freeway of God's blessing. Looking at an on ramp, get on this morning. Get back on the right road. I just know that God's calling people here today to get back on the right road. Don't pass this on ramp up, it's yours. Someone is the victim of a great injustice has crushed your heart crushed your spirit you have the attention of the God of the universe right now the judge of the universe is looking straight at you he's going to rectify the situation heal your heart no one can steal your destiny only you can throw it away What God's blessed, no man can curse. God is the God of divine counterbalance. When hurtful, painful, wrong things happen on one hand, God counterbalances with blessing and goodness. Somebody here today needs a divine counterbalance. You got some junk going on over here that's heavy. But God said, I'm going to counterbalance it for you with blessing and good things. My God is a God of divine counterbalance. If you're praying for a friend or a loved one, a child or a parent, have heaven's attention in this moment this is the moment when you should call their name before God while you have the judge's eye and you have his attention in these moments is when we need to really pray for those things that are uppermost in our hearts with concern in these moments is when you really touch God when you have the full attention of God when God comes near that's when you reach out to God Share with Him your deepest hurts, your greatest hopes, your most terrible fears, your deepest desires. This is this is when you get real with God in this moment. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Ask our prayer partners to come forward now, if you will. And if you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you. If you just come down, to pick one of these people here, whomever you want, and uh, any of them know how to pray and touch God on your behalf. And Just kind of give them a one sentence of what you want to pray for. Just pray for my health, pray for my marriage, pray for my finance, pray for my kids, you know, just things like that. We, we're not asking to know details of your life and secrets and things. We just give us a direction because, you see, we're just going to be a link between you and God. He, he knows it all. He doesn't need to be told. He already knows it. We're going to pray with you. The love of God is going to wrap its arms around you. The power of God is going to touch you, and he's going to hear your prayer. There's just moments like this that prayer is extremely effective. Please come down right now. I want to pray with you. This is not about church membership or doctrine or any of those things. This is just an opportunity. To receive help from the Lord. So if you need help from God, come down right now. Thank you, Jesus.